Hi, and welcome back to Becca Babbles Podcast. I'm your host, Becca. I'm a certified personal trainer, holistic health coach, and future chiropractor on my way to figuring out this thing we called life. Now, let's get babbling. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Becca Babbles Podcast. I'm your host, Becca, and today I have an amazing interview for you. I'm super excited for you to listen to this interview because I had the honor of interviewing Tamara Pickering, and Tamara Pickering is just one of those amazing people who just goes out there, gets things done, and creates things for people that don't even know that they need what she is giving them, and that is hiking and getting outdoors. If you don't remember... I used to do those like monthly podcast updates of like what was going on in my life. If you're an old listener, you probably remember. Or if you're one of those new listeners that like scroll down all the way to the bottom to a beginning of a podcast that you just got obsessed with, which I want to thank you so much for doing that. I know I do that to a lot of new podcasts that I get obsessed with, but if you are one of those new listeners that did that for my podcast, I want to thank you so much um, because you took time out of your day to listen to, I think we're up to like 59 podcasts. I think that's what this is going to be, or it might be 60 don't really remember. But I just want to say thank you for going back and listening to those podcasts. But anyways, those monthly podcasts, I would talk about how I started joining these hiking groups on Facebook and meeting people and just going there by myself and not knowing what was going to happen or what it was going to be like. And I joined Tamara's group and I loved it from the start. And I knew from the start that I needed to have her on my podcast. It's kind of funny now that I have a podcast, I will meet people. And in the back of my head, I'll sometimes think, hmm, they're an interesting person. I want to have them on my podcast. And Tamara was definitely one of those people. So you're definitely going to want to check her out. But I want to give you a little introduction of who she is before we jump into the podcast. Tamara Pickering is an outdoorsy health nut who has the passion to get people to move. She is the founder of Sisterhood Hikes and Such, which is one of the biggest hiking groups in the DFW area. She is also the founder of Family Hikes and Such and the co-founder of Bros Hikes and Stuff. She's on a mission to get people to move, connect, and grow, and she does this by bringing people together to hike. You can find Tamara Pickering on Facebook at Sisterhood Hikes and Such or on Instagram at Sisterhood Hikes and Such. You can also check out her website at sisterhoodhikesandsuch.com. It should be up by the time this podcast is released. If not, just make sure you stay updated with her Facebook and Instagram. On the podcast, we discuss why you should honor aging, why it's important to have a mentor, how Tamara discovered she had Crohn's disease, how Tamara gets out of feeling like she's in a rut, how Sisterhood Hikes and Such was created, being okay with making mistakes, why it's important to get outside, and much, much more. I highly recommend that you follow Tamara. 
she is actually starting her own nonprofit, which I think is amazing. She's just going out there doing even more things for the community, but also just so that you can get together with like-minded people and connect and grow. One of her biggest things is to get people to move, connect, and grow. And she actually has a hashtag that she uses that is move, connect, and grow. And I know for myself, I have met so many people on her hiking groups and they're all really sweet, inspiring, and just kind people that you can connect with. So if you're looking for a community and you need that extra support, I highly recommend if you are in the DFW area to check out her Facebook group. And hey, maybe you'll meet me at one of the hikes because I know for myself that I try to go to at least all of the sisterhood hikes and I've been trying to go to the co-ed hikes, but with my schedule, it's been a little bit difficult. But if you go to those sisterhood hikes, I will definitely be there. So definitely go and check that out. But with all that being said, I can't wait to babble with you next time. All right. The first question I like to ask all of my interviewees is if you found yourself in the dictionary, what would it say? Oh, wow. Um, good question. Um, I think it would say Tamara is playful. Um, but uh, objective and uh, thoughtful. Not thoughtful in a way like thoughtful, I'm going to send everyone cards or something because that's not me. But I, I think things through. So I, I think a lot. But I'm, but I'm very playful. So I think playful, thoughtful, and um, disciplined in the necessities of life. Mm, like what? Um, health, nutrition, you know, family, relationships, but I'm not like a super, super over the top disciplined person. Like my husband's majorly disciplined in every category of life. So I think I'm really disciplined in the things that matter the most. So it's yeah. like type A, but like subsection type A. Yeah, that's yeah. a good way to put it. Cause my husband's definitely type A. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. But I'm type A, but easygoing. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a good quality to have because I feel like type A gets, like, put down a lot. Yeah. You know? Um, but I feel like if you can find a way to balance it out, it absolutely. works. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It absolutely works, yeah. And I would say when I was younger, I wouldn't have saw myself as type A. I think mm-hmm. I kind of grew into that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I was going to ask you, have you always been that way or what changed? Um, I think I was that way maybe in my home. I had two brothers, and I was in the middle. And so I think I was type A in home, but not like in school or outside of my house. I think Mm -hmm. it was like two different me's. And I think as you get older, you're more comfortable with yourself. And, you know, so you develop into who you are. But but you have to thoughtfully do that, Mm -hmm. you know. Did you ever struggle with like self-image when you were younger? Yeah, and and again, for some reason, not within my family system. Mm. Like I was um, more the leader within my family and within you know my cousins or whatever. But yeah, I would say when growing up, I then in school was the quiet one, the shy one, always thinking and always observing, mm. but not the one willing to like lead or jump in there or anything yeah Yeah. and 
always, I think I always had that, what are they thinking about me? Probably until I was, I started coming out of it, I think around 15. But up until then, definitely 100%. Yeah. What helped you work out of that? Oh, um, I think like, um, I'm a Christian, so I'm a believer in Jesus. And I think my relationship with the Lord really started developing about that time because, um, you know, your peers, when you hit that age, they go different directions than when you were younger and making those decisions as to like what direction you're going to go. And because I think, like I said earlier, like I, I feel like I was very thoughtful and I thought things through. So I think I just knew that the direction that most of my close peers that I, you know, I'd known since kindergarten, I didn't want to go the direction they were going, didn't want to lose those relationships, but it was kind of like um, I boxed everything. Like they were my relationships at school, but I didn't really need them outside of school. Like, mm. I, I knew I was going a different direction, mm. if that makes sense. That's a good thing to recognize at that age, because I feel like some people get so stuck on, like, well, but these are my friends, and they have to yeah. be my friends. Like, I know for myself, even that, like, transition from, like, high school to college, it was like, well, what do I do now? Or, like, even losing friendships was something that's really hard, and realizing that, like, hey, maybe this isn't the way I want to go and it's okay that they're leaving, Yeah, that that's completely fine and I can become my own person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it in the transition time, I think there's like loneliness, mm-hmm. you know, when you've gone from childhood with mass friends and now you're, you're not an adult, but you're not a child. You're in that in-between world trying to figure out how to do it. And so, yeah, I think there's a bit of loneliness in that, transition um to finding yourself you know what would you tell that person who's in that position right now um it doesn't last like the loneliness doesn't last um and it's uh learn to be alone because there's such a difference between loneliness and being alone and I don't think you really know that as a kid like you just you're not used to being alone you know because you have these playmates all through school and I think you grow a lot when you can be alone like you told me you did a solo hike Mm -hmm. like anytime you do something alone I think you grow from it not that you can't grow with others but I think you really grow when you're alone and so yeah there's a big difference in loneliness and, and alone and that season of your life is so short even though it seems like it's everything in those, you know, 15 to 22 years, but it's, it's so short. And when you look back, you're like, what was I even thinking, you know, because it was just a moment of time, you know? Yeah. I think being able to appreciate the loneliness is something important that people need to develop, especially being like on your phones all the time or always having to like do something. It's like finding, almost figuring out who you are. Cause I, I didn't value that so much. I was so focused on like everyone else around me that I didn't, it was hard for me to even discover who I was because I wasn't taking that time to be alone. Yeah. And I think there's a big difference probably now. My 15 year old self, if I lived in today's world, Mm -hmm. uh, would probably be vastly different because of the phone. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't have that. So there wasn't the influence of that. Um, 
because in seeing that, like I can look at, you know, my grandkids or whatever, that when you look, when you look at your phone, it seems like everybody's doing something and everyone's got something going on, which isn't the reality, but that's what you would think as a kid, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I think it would have been vastly different. Um, yeah. So it's, I, I, yeah, just talking about that makes me see it in a different perspective. I think it might be harder to grow up now, even though kids are more mature or they know things that I didn't know at 10 or 12 or 14, you know, but in another way, I think they're more immature because they live in a made up world because of the phone, you know. Well, and I even heard on this podcast, they were talking about how there's a difference between knowing something and intelligence than like having wisdom. A lot of people have intelligence and like can search up the answers, but they don't have the wisdom that's behind that. Absolutely. Actually, I've been reading a little bit about that. So at this point in my life, I look at I'm I'm really into like uh, things to do with aging, you know, and doing that well and longevity. And there's um, it's called fluid intelligence or crystallized intelligence. And when you're younger, you have this fluid intelligence. It's where you can solve things and you innovate things and you create things. Um, and when you get about 40, that really starts diminishing. And that sounds young, but it's true. Late 30s, 40s, that starts diminishing. And you can make a shift, and it's the knowledge that you've gained, whereas your uh, younger person is relying on the facts, where an older person is relying on what they know about those facts. They understand those facts. So they operate more out of knowledge and wisdom um, than just the facts in general. Uh, It's really interesting. Um, You have a vast more. That's why like college professors, the older ones, I mean, they'll teach in their 70s and 80s and their classes are filled because they have a whole lifetime of wisdom and knowledge, not just the facts. Mm. And yeah, so aging has its own um, amazing things that I don't think we've looked at um, up until now because all the baby boomers are getting older. So now it's like a big thing, you know, and it's being talked about a little bit more and we're learning a lot of things. So I think that's good for those coming behind us. Oh, definitely. Especially the women, women coming behind us. Men have it a little different, but. (laughs) Why do you say that? Um, Well, I always say that with my, like my granddaughters, like you guys are in a much better world than I was growing up. Um, Being in a work environment, just the way women were treated or talked to or paid um, is, is different now. Um, I know that People till, till squabble that women aren't. But for the most part, we're equal in so many areas now. Or there's um, resources for if we're not treated appropriately in a work environment or whatever. There wasn't any of that. And so it's I, th- I just think we have it much um, better now with the knowledge we've gained at this point. So I think... Um, us being able to drop down to not just our daughters but our granddaughters that it isn't just about how you look or um you know not just your size or 
your beauty or whatever it doesn't have to be either or um you know your intellect or your beauty um it's a whole package now as you age and it's okay to do it however you want you know it's okay if you want to um slow it down and you know do treatments or whatever to to look better and it's okay if you don't i think we're now in that era where that's okay where we've never been there before it's like women felt bad when um they had wrinkles you know or their hair turned gray or whatever and now there's this whole movement of women letting their hair turn gray and it's praised that's never happened before so I think all those things are good you know allowing people to age how they want to and not be disrespected for it and actually called out if you are um, disrespected because I see that too especially in that celebrity world you know they they still will insult women that choose to let themselves age naturally and so I think people being called out on that, that all that's changing. Whereas men have always been able to do that if they chose to, you know, mm-hmm. to age naturally. So, Yeah, going back to the whole like fluidity and like crystallizing, when you read that, are you able to look back and see like, oh, I can kind of see that in myself when I was younger and I can kind of see how I'm changing now? What's coming up for you? Absolutely. Um, because I think when you're younger... <sighs> Your ego is there a lot. So um, in a work environment, especially, like you're, you're trying to prove yourself. And so that's like constantly in the forefront of proving yourself and learning to take your ego out. Like with your coworkers, if, you know, you have different ideas or opinion or your, um, you know, your manager takes your idea over someone else's, there's this maybe not outwardly, but inwardly, there's a focus on your ego uh, of building that. And I think as you get older, if you're growing and you're moving from that fluid intelligence to the crystallized intelligence, um, it's not about that. It's more about the whole and you move more into um, serving, kind of a serving type leadership role and you take on a mentoring, you know, so it's not so much about attaining financially or in a promotion it's more about giving giving the knowledge you've accumulated and you know serving I see that with our hiking group I mean that's how I see myself is I'm not there just to help the women learn to hike I'm I'm feel a burden to help them learn to do life you know and um and do it as as well as they can earlier than I did, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just different. I think it's more about serving as you get older, serving, mentoring, and it's not about attaining or it's not a financial thing. It's more um, a soul thing. It's more about feeding my soul with what I have to give uh, rather than feeding myself through financial or material resources as I think when you're younger that's kind of taken off the table a little bit yeah when you get older or it's healthy if it's taken off the table when you get older you know yeah it sounds like that sometimes because you were saying if you move to that portion of your life is it is there like a spot where people can get stuck where they're still in that fluidity state or 
do they does it seem like everyone goes to the crystallized state no i don't think everyone does and i think the people that don't that that are hanging on to that fluid state um there's a frustration with Mm -hmm. aging because you know you're your work environment you'll see younger people coming in because they're quicker and they're um they're innovative not to say someone older can't be but it's just naturally the way um, a young person's um, mind works is to be creative and quick and and solve the immediate problem they don't necessarily think long the, the long haul and it's important when you hit that 40s, 40s, let's just say 40s, um, that you start transitioning. But if you're still hanging on to um, the fact that you're in your 40s now, because for some people that's a big deal. I never really experienced that turning 40. I think because I got married young and had kids young that... I always felt like people looked at me and they're like, oh, she's so young, she's got all those kids, you know? So I think turning 40 was like, wow, I'm finally an adult, you know? Mm-hmm. And But a lot of people do um, feel like 40 is like, wow, how did I get here? But 40 is really, really good um, if you're wise about it and you kind of grasp the fact that, okay, um, I can separate myself from this younger crowd I can still relate but yet I have more to offer so if you start looking more toward the people in front of you that are doing it well I think you transition really well Um, and it helps your career path I think you're you can have more success um, as you get older if you make the shift if you don't make the shift you're going to be frustrated as Mm -hmm. as you age and especially in a work environment even in, I think even in like a dating environment, if you're not married, like if you don't make the shift to a more mature approach, um, I think you'll be frustrated. Hmm. Yeah. When you say like a dating environment, are you saying like people who just like constantly date around and aren't looking for like a life partner? Is that what you mean? Well, they might be looking for a life partner, but there's the, you know, and I know people who do this, they're, they're still doing it the way they did it in their 20s, mm. you know, and the crowd that they're hanging out is still operating like they did in their 20s and 30s. And you got to make a shift, you know, um, you just got to make a shift. If, if you want to grow as a human being emotionally, um, yeah, you have to make that shift. Mm. And I'm big on finding, finding mentors, you know, What's a, who's your biggest mentor that you have? Um, so when I was younger, um, there was a lady named Nell Jolly and she passed away a long time ago. Um, but she was a mentor of mine in just how she treated people. So I really, um, connected with her and, um, and then I had a friend that she's also passed away, um, probably about eight years ago and she really mentored me too on how to do relationships and um to be more gentle you know and long suffer with people so those were my initial mentors and so I think now in my life um my mentors um 
are more, um, I seek them out of, of women that are aging the way that I want to do it, you know? And so I may not even know them personally. Um, so that's where the social media thing comes in nicely. Uh, and I think older people can benefit from social media more than younger people, you know, cause I'm not really pro social media for young people, but if you use it to find things that help you grow, there's, I mean, you're doing a podcast, but podcasts, there's some great podcasts that, um, are really beneficial for, um, women, um, for everyone, but, um, I feel like my mentors now are mostly people that are focused on longevity and aging and, and doing that, that last lap of life, um, well, mm. you know, yeah. that's where I'm at now. When you were talking about how your one mentor was helping you with like, um, being more gentle in your relationship, what, what do you mean by that? Um, I think when I was younger, everything, I thought of things as more black and white. And, and since for me, in my life, the kind of person I was for my own self, it was pretty black and white, like right or wrong, you do it, you don't do it. Um, I wasn't as grace filled, you know, for people. And I could be like, I don't know, I could write people off easily in a relationship, um, because I, I saw things more black and white. Um, yeah. And I, and I don't see myself there at all now. Life is, um, a journey for everyone and grace is a good thing. Yeah. It almost <laughs> so. sounds like you were getting like a different perspective, like seeing other people's perspectives and not just your own. Yes. Learn, and that's a process to learn to do that. If you, if you're only looking at yourself and, and you, um, you're not subjective, you know, I feel like I'm more of an objective thinker, so it's right, wrong, black, white, you know. Um, objectivity is good, but there's also gotta be an area for gray and grace, you know, so. What helps you see the gray? Um, I think the longer you do the journey of life, um, no one gets out unscathed, you know, so you have, things rub up against you or rub uh, your family you know um I have people who even have said to me oh you have the perfect family uh no I don't you know like nobody has the perfect family and no matter how good their pictures in their house look or their social media looks like no one has the perfect family and relationships are challenging but you either give up in tough situations or you grow you know and it in friends are friends and family I think are even bonded as you walk through hard stuff you know mm-hmm. I like the statement where you said you either grow or you don't and you that's the choice that you have because I'm mm-hmm. I'm very much like I like to have control where it's like good to have control Um, I feel like a lot of the times we like to control things in our life that we actually really don't have control in, but the things that we can control to make the situation better, I'm all for that. And your own personal growth is something that you always have control over. No one can take that away from you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Well, you've definitely grown a lot in your life. Um, <laughs> I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Like, what got you where you are today? Tell me a little bit about your story. Okay, so I grew up in Southern California, so that's my whole playful, be outdoors, you know, it's just, that's the kind of lifestyle, you know, you live there because the weather's mostly nice, you know, and, um, but I got married young, I got married at 18, um, my husband's eight years older than me, so, you know, people say rob the cradle, you know, but as you get older, it doesn't really matter, um, but he'll tell you, even though he was 26 when we married, I was probably more mature than he was, you know. So that's, you know, so we kind of grew together. Um, I was always good with kids, so thank goodness, because his niece came to live with us five months after we were married. She was two. So we pretty much had kids in our household from the get-go. So we've been married 43 years. And um, so I had four, and then we had four kids. And, um, I've always been into health and nutrition. And so, and then my husband, uh, through graduate school and everything, my husband's a family marriage counselor. So we've spent years just, um, in working with families and couples and mentoring. And, um, I was always involved in leadership, even from the time I was a teenager within my church, um, and then leading women and speaking to women with ministry and things like that. And, um, but the health and nutrition just became something that I was really passionate about. And uh, so I just started doing more and more online classes and things like that. And it was more for my own um, personal and my family. And then uh, when I was 52, kind of, long jump there, but I was uh, diagnosed with something called Crohn's disease. And I probably had it since I was young, but my lifestyle kind of kept it at bay. And uh, for 12 weeks, I was eating nothing but raw food. If you have Crohn's or colitis or anything like that, raw food is not something you can really do. And so that kind of activated it for me. And at that point, that was a huge turning point in my life because... um, I had always been so healthy, and I, I, it just really changed everything for me. And I spent um, four years just trying to get my life back, um, seven before I felt remotely myself again. And, you know, now we're 10 years out, and, you know, I do feel like I have my life back. But that whole experience, I remember, you know, being told... Uh, came out uh, at an anesthesia when I had a colon screening and they're like you have Crohn's disease you'll have it the rest of your life and didn't know what it was and I'm kind of like what I I don't eat fast food like I thought it was something you did to yourself you know by your lifestyle and um, then my journey because I'm not anti-medication but it's not for me it's not the first go-to for people um, if you can do it a different way and I did choose to do it a more natural way my my to handle my Crohn's disease and so that was the journey but I feel like I weeped for a day you know why me why me and then I was just like okay God this is my burden you know Uh, other people have other things but like teach me something through this and I really think um, God has taught me to um, really be more compassionate toward people who have chronic anything chronic because I don't think I realized um, 
how it affects everything. It's just not, I don't feel good. It's, it affects how you parent, how you grandparent, how you do your marriage. Like a, a chronic health issue affects like not just you, it affects the people that you do life with. And so, um, so I feel that's one thing. I definitely am more compassionate for people with chronic illness. I also, we, I think we throw around the word, uh, you know, I'm thinking about you or I'll pray for you very easily. And I also learned that when people say that, like you, you're like happy if someone really is praying for you, you know? And so I really took prayer and actually the, the words of I'm praying for you so much more seriously, um, having a chronic illness. And, um, and then I also realized about myself, I would have said that I was totally reliant on God, you know, in my life and I trusted him with everything. But I realized, uh, when I was diagnosed with Crohn's that wasn't totally true. Um, because I felt, um, because I was always in the gym, always eating right, always doing everything that I kind of felt like. I'm in control of my destiny with my health and you're just not because we live on this planet that is not perfect and we have environmental things, all kinds of things now that affect us that are totally out of our control. And so I think that was part of my wake up too with my Crohn's. So even though Crohn's, I wish I didn't have it, wish I didn't have to deal with it. It has, I feel like I've allowed it to affect me in good ways as well. Yeah. And that's why, that just goes with what I said earlier. You either grow through it or you don't. And, um, yeah, so I feel like, not that I don't have my whiny days, or didn't. I don't think I do now, but but in the beginning I did have my poor me days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I've really grown from it. Yeah. What yeah. helped you work through those days that where you were like super whiny? Because I know like <laughs> a diagnosis is not an easy thing. Um, I've been through it with myself with like getting diagnosed with anorexia and PCOS where it's just like, yeah, why? why? Like, why? Um, like the yeah. anorexia, like, of course, I did that to myself. But the PCOS is kind of just like. I was a healthy person. Like, I was eating Absolutely. my fruit and vegetables. Like, why? Yeah. So what helps you during those times where you're super down? Um, for me, it's getting outside. Mm-hmm. Like, and maybe that's what even led to our hiking group. Um, getting outside. So if I, I found, because there's a tendency sometimes when you're feeling poor me that you just want to lay on the couch you don't really want to do anything or you just want to watch you know I guess back then when I was diagnosed we weren't streaming everything but I'm not a big tv watcher but yeah I could find myself just like flipping channels or not really wanting to do anything and so for me it's like okay get up get up um and and there and there was a good four years that and I was at least a five day a week or to the gym for 30 years. Um, but there was a good four years that I just didn't, you know, I was extremely anemic and I just had no energy and I, I couldn't get to the gym. And, um, so just the getting outside, if all I can do is like walk the short block, just the getting out in the air and the, you know, the, um, 
if it's sunny, that helps a lot too. But um, that's for me, just getting outside and any kind of movement um, is really what pulls me out of it. So like if I'm like, okay, I'm feeling sorry for myself, you know, go outside, walk, do something like that physically. Yeah, I joke with my friends sometimes that I'm a plant. I just need some like water and air and some sunshine. Food. Yeah, <laughs> some sunshine. yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I can relate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with the Crohn's disease, I was interested. Why did the raw like what made you want to start going more raw and like how did that affect your Crohn's? Well, you know, I was always doing all kinds of things. So, uh, Doctor Furman, uh, Doctor Furman's Eat to Live. He's not, you know, he's really into raw food. So I'm like, hey. And my husband, he 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 eats whatever's in front of him. Like he'll eat healthy. He's not a complainer. He'll eat anything I give him. But if there's no food, he just willingly runs on the corner to Chick Fil A. You know. So, um, but I was like, hey, do this with me for twelve weeks. Let's just eat nothing but raw food. Let's try it. You know. So, um, so it was just a thought. I wasn't gonna become a vegan, and I wasn't just gonna eat veggies. But we're just gonna do it for twelve weeks, and see how we felt. You know, it was kind of an experiment, I guess. And it was really in the middle of that, you know, so like six weeks in that I just started having gut issues, but I didn't really equate the two. And he was fine. Like, he was totally fine. I finished the 12 weeks, but it just got worse and worse, and then it just didn't stop. It took me about nine months of just trying to figure it out myself, and then finally, you know, going to a GI doctor. But, um, yeah, so... The reason people with extreme gut issues really can't is the same reason you don't give babies raw food. They just can't digest it. Elderly people, they lose their enzymes. They're not able to break food down, so they don't eat raw food. And, of course, in my lifetime, I'd had carrots and some broccoli, but not that amount, you know. Um, and so it just kind of activated it. Yeah. It just – your body – sees like even your good bacteria as your bad as bad and just attacks itself that's what Crohn's is you know so what helps you like maintain that healthy balance now like what do you do to um it's uh boy it's been a journey all Mm. all along so the first three months after diagnosis I went on liquid diet for three months oh wow and just because I just wanted to calm everything down and um because I didn't want to do the meds they were suggesting and um, Crohn's puts some ulcers on your digestive tract. Ulcers are like scabs. If you had a scab on your hand every day and you ran sandpaper on it, it would it would bleed. And that's why I was anemic because the ulcers were bleeding. And so I'm like, okay, I'm if I stop eating, then nothing's rubbing against that trying to digest. It will stop the bleeding. It works. Like the only ulcerification I've ever had is that original ulcerification ten years ago, which is highly unusual in Crohn's. Um, um, because I, you know, just stopped the eating and calmed everything down. I have had, uh, and that's what I had when I had surgery in November, that's the area I had removed. That original area is where the ulcification and the scar tissue came from and caused narrowing. And so I had to be super careful or I would have blockage, but that's all gone now. So I, I don't fear blockage anymore. So, um... But there'll, st- there'll still be other issues. But if all of a sudden I just decided, oh, I'm just going to eat the standard American diet, do whatever I want, mm-hmm. uh, I would get ulcerifications on my digestive tract. Um, mm-hmm. Diet is huge 
almost with any illness we have. And um, so to me, that's what I share as I help people is if you're unwilling to really be serious and change your diet, the supplements are going to do little. Um, and even though I rather people not do the medications if possible, it really is your only choice, um, not just for Crohn's, but for other things, if you're unwilling to radically change your diet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I tell, like, I was actually having a conversation with a few friends today, and uh, they were asking my opinion on a few different supplements and, like, medications and stuff like that, and I was like, well, first, I'm not your doctor, um, but, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, second, yeah. like, yeah. here's my opinion, like, I always go to, what is your lifestyle, What what are you eating? How are you sleeping? How's your stress and what your exercise is like? Because those, like, even though they're not sexy, like, those are the big rocks and those are what's going to make the change. Absolutely. No supplement is going to, like, bring back your menstrual cycle. No supplement's going to, like, help your digestion if you're just going to do that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and your insurance isn't going to cover supplements. You know, (laughs) I I deal with that all the time. People's like, oh, they're so expensive and my insurance isn't going to cover. Yeah, supplements are expensive if you get the right ones. So if you're not changing the diet and doing it all, it's it's Mm -hmm. a lot of money, you know, resources. um, So you got to be all in if if you want to do it that way. But there, you know, there's a lot of people... Um, yourself and where you're heading as a chiropractor because there's a lot of chiropractors that are really in tune to the nutritional side of it and the supplement side side of it Um, whereas doctors are just now starting to roll over there a little bit it's very hard to find what I refer to as a functional medicine doctor who leans toward what we're talking about changing diet then doing supplements moving sleeping uh you know, changing something. Uh, you're never going to get rid of stress. I mean, we live in America. We're never going to get rid of stress, but you got to change your lifestyle enough to um, keep it, you know, where it's manageable. Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to be different on what's manageable for them, you know. Um, I'm I'm kind of at a point right now, I don't work full-time anymore, Um but I'm giving up some hours of a part-time job I do starting in June because I, um, even though my Crohn's is under control, um, I do have some issues that uh, my digestive tract from what I had removed is having to adjust. And when I've got too much going on, it really affects it. And um, because of what they removed, everything goes through me really quickly. And so if I'm under huge amount of uh, stress, then that's constantly happening. And, and I'm like, I don't want to go back to that. So, um, so I, I literally just told my boss that because I, I, I'm not giving up our hiking group. You know, I love hiking, so I'm not giving that up. I'm not giving up my grandkids, you know, and the time I play with them. So the only thing I can really give up in my life is to not, you know, work. Uh, what I do part-time um, I can give up some of that I'm not going to give up all of it but I'm going to give up some of it you know so yeah. and that because uh, I work part-time for a health food company I, and so I do nutritional coaching and you know I help, I help people I work for a company called Ancient Nutrition and um, yeah so I'm going to go into less stores and you know do less because I love it but it's what I can give up mm-hmm. you know 
to um, help for my health. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like like your gut is almost your way that you connect with your body. I like to tell people that like your body doesn't speak to you, but it speaks to you in like different ways. Mm-hmm. Like it shows you signs of like dis-ease of like it could be acne or digestion or just not showing a menstrual cycle. That's a big one where it's yeah. like that's a big red flag. Um, well, your gut's your yeah. second brain. That's so, true. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So everything happens to the gut. I mean, that's why... You know, 60% of America would say they have IBS or type symptoms. Mm -hmm. And IBS, um, they give you medication for it, but IBS is fully corrected by figuring out what you're eating that's causing it. Mm -hmm. And um, so so figuring that out and cutting down on your stress level will will fix the gut issues. And... um, yeah, and I would love to see everyone be able to do that because it, it affects your life, mm-hmm. you know, when you're dealing with gut issues. So, yeah. yeah. Throughout the whole, like, you dealing with the Crohn's disease, were you able to hike or was that something that you had to put off? Or I think I walked more mm-hmm. than, than hiking. And so... Um, yeah, then for so well for four years it would have just been any exercise I was doing then would have just been walking mm-hmm. um, because you know it's pretty for lack of how to describe it it's it's kind of like your gut feels like a leg cramp all the time mm. you know so you just don't feel like engaging a lot because it's like you have this you know Charlie horse in your gut you know, and it's through the night too. So your sleep patterns are messed up, you know? Um, yeah. So that's, and that's just one thing, but that, that's a big thing right there. So I feel like for four years, so that was a struggle for me because I'd never been in that situation. So then I just did short walks that, that was pretty much it. And then after that, um, I started getting, um, back into the gym just bit by bit, elliptical, treadmill, um, lost a lot of muscle mass because I wasn't really doing any kind of weights or machines during that whole time. And I was at that critical age, you know, where you, you lose muscle mass more quickly. So, yeah, I, I would feel like in that four to seven years, I lost so much muscle mass. Um, but ne- but the hiking started getting more as I started feeling better. I would hike more because I hiked before I had Crohn's mm-hmm. uh, living in – California um well my kids were born here for the most part but they were raised in San Diego so um you know a lot of my adult life was in San Diego so you know we hiked a lot in San Diego the weather's nice and there's so many places to go in California but um anyway so I would say my hiking really intensified here after my Crohn's um hiked with the grandkids and stuff before but it intensified probably in 2020, mm. you know, and then into 2021. And that's kind of when the hiking group took off, you know. And as I've told you, we didn't set out to start a hiking group, but people just kept coming, you know. So, but, yeah, 2020 is when, here is when it intensified hiking more. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of the hiking group, because I know sisterhood and it's sisterhood and such hikes, yeah. right? Yeah. Sisterhood hikes and such. Yeah. What's the story behind that? Like, how did that get created? Um. So I, I love to hike. And so I was taking 
women from my church. You know, I would try to have a hiking group because we have, you know, study groups, but we also have, like, activity groups and people from church can come or the community or whatever. So I would lead a hiking group, and people would sign up, and sometimes a lot of people would come, but most often, you know, four or five would come. And so I wasn't in any Facebook groups. I don't even think I knew that they existed. Um, But in 2020, I also started roller skating a lot outside because I grew up in the 70s in California. Everyone skated. And so I was trying to find the best outdoor wheels. And so I kind of was Googling it. And then I found a, a group on Facebook that answered all my questions about the skate wheels. And they were so nice. I was like, okay, if there's roller skating groups in Dallas, there's got to be hiking groups. So I start, I put hiking in there, and I think DFW Hiking and Outdoors came up. And so I joined it, and then I back then it said events. Now you have to find those three lines at the top. I would have never found it back then, I don't think. But I hit the word events, and it went to their event page. And then I, re- I realized that it said create. And so I know, I feel like now I know more about Facebook than I ever thought I would, but I figured out how to create an event. So I just put on their women's hike and I was taking like five friends to Eagle Mountain Lake. And so like three days before the hike, I put it on there and 22 women showed up and to Eagle Mountain. And I was like, oh my gosh. And the people that came they were like who are all these people and I'm like I I put it on this group and these people came like I didn't expect that to happen and so I did it again a month later and 44 came did it the next month 68 and then the fourth month with 90 women there at Marion Sansom Park in Fort Worth we announced that we were starting sisterhood hikes and such and um yeah so that was just about two years ago and it just kept growing from there. And I think what was unique about our group is that, yes, we hiked, but we also wrapped it in a way that everyone could come. Like, it just wasn't for athletic fit people. Like, um, you know, our the hashtag I developed for the group is Move, Connect, Grow. So we're all about just getting women to move, connect with nature, connect with himself, connect with other people, and to grow, to grow physically stronger, emotionally stronger, spiritually stronger, mentally stronger, all of it. And um, so, and we're, and then I had friends that I developed as our hiking leaders. I'm like, I need leaders. I can't do this by myself. There's too many people. And um, so, I said, we got to, when they come, it's like, greet them and go to people that are by themselves. Because what we found is most women came by themselves. They didn't come bringing their friends. Um, They were kind of the same way I was. They wanted to hike more, but they were looking for more women to hike with. Um, So it was more than just hiking. It was building a community um, of women that... Um, you could do life with and so what's amazing that's happened is women meet there and they develop these relationships and now they're going on road trips you know four or five of them together and uh, it's just it's it's amazing to me um, when people say oh yeah we know we met on your hike and it seems like they've known each other forever but so we're about getting the people out moving but also just connecting people to each other too and I think that's why, 
you know, we're warm and inviting and, you know, um, cause I went on a couple hikes with some groups and yeah, you, they were nice, but it almost felt like you were the outsider, like, and, and I, so that was important to me that in our group, we don't do that. Like we want everyone there and, um, we want all women to feel like we're supporting each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely know when I went on, I think it was Turner Falls. I went to that. That was okay. my first hike with yeah. you guys. Yeah. Um, and just like people were coming up to me and just talking to me and it just, it felt warm and like nice and everyone was all like smiling and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. like, you didn't feel like, like you were saying, you didn't feel like the weird kid or the new kid yeah. at school. It kind of so just important. felt inviting. Yeah. yeah. Because all of us, when you go into a new environment, it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. and somebody's got to be the one to initiate conversation and so I really feel like if we're the people in the group it's on us to initiate it's like when someone comes to your house it's on you to greet them and show hospitality so that's how I see our hiking group is that you know we need to go and I'll even say to our leads hey you guys stop talking you need to go find people that just walked up by themselves and they're new you know because it's awkward to stand in a place you know when you don't know anyone so yeah so it's intentional it's intentional to be warm with people, but, and tell me if you think this is true, I feel there's a realness, though, in our group. Like, it's not fake when they greet people and they're nice to people, and that's unique, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, did you feel like the people were real when they were greeting you and talking to you? Like, did you feel that warmth coming from them? Um, I definitely, when I went, I went with like two friends that I met from a different group. So I was kind of hanging around them a bit, but when I was going on the hikes and I'd start meeting other people, it was like people were, and I don't know if this is like a hiking thing, just people become more open as they're hiking. But I definitely found in that group, it was like this weird energy of like feeling safe, you know? Yeah, Yeah. 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 And like that everyone just felt open and okay. Yeah. To just be themselves. There. Yes, yeah. very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I love being with our group. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, and I say this a lot too, none of us want to hike with 50, 60, 80, 100 people every time we go out hiking. <laughs> it can be a little crazy, but I feel like we've got it down pretty well now. And now it's all about on the monthly big hike like that. It's about refining, 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 refining. But I think how we do it works. Mm-hmm. And so we're just refining it now. But I love the fact that people are hiking more in smaller groups, you know. Mm-hmm. And so the big group is to connect with people, get to know people. And then you meet some people where you can go smaller smaller mm-hmm. groups and and as I'm doing less of my uh part-time job I feel like I'm going to do more hikes during the week too and not everyone can do that so you'll obviously get less people and then in the summer I do lead some family hikes and stuff because my grandkids are um, some of my grandkids are homeschooled but they don't really do it in the summer so I do and they're not playing sports so much in the summer so I do a few more of the family hikes too and our sisterhood can come to those as well but we do have the family group and that's just kind of you know members in our group I'm like hey you want to put something together and and they have been doing that throughout the year but I do a few more in the summer of the family hikes too just to get out with the kids because the hikes are shorter you know because it's hot 
Mm-hmm. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> no one wants to be hot and sweaty. <laughs> yeah, we're like, the hikes are earlier, so they need to finish by 11, you know, 11.30 max. But, yeah, in the summer, you got to be earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout this whole process of developing sisterhood, what have you learned from it that you didn't realize you were going to? Oh, um, in the beginning, I would say I've learned... Um, how to lead more effectively um like I shared earlier you know I I, I've mentored and spoke to women but it's it's usually been in a church kind of setting or people in my home like um knowing uh where I'm at and where they're at like we kind of had some feel of each other um Whereas when the hiking group, when the people kept coming and I, I was freaking out a little bit, like, how am I going to do this? Because, you know, I had no leaders and it was just me. And so I was, I, I was freaking out. I remember being on the phone with one of my adult sons and I'm literally crying. And he's like, why are you crying? Like you spoke to women your whole life. Like, I remember you doing this my whole life. Um, I'm like, yeah, but this is different. Like these are women coming off Facebook. They don't know anything about me. I don't know anything about them. Everybody's got different lifestyles. Like, what am I going to say to them? You know, how how am I going to do this? And I'm not like a professional hiker, you know? Um, so it was, it was a bit overwhelming. And, but what I learned is most people are, uh, pretty grace filled. (laughs) And, um, and I also realized kind of like we were saying, people are seeking community and the people coming didn't have that. Um, and they wanted that. And so that was an opportunity and that I can contribute the things in my life and the things I've gained, the wisdom I've gained. Um, because I feel like at this point at, you know, I'm almost 62. So you can kind of, offer things to people it's okay because you're older you know than when you're younger and also it fits all lifestyles like no one has to be exactly how I am or believe exactly what I have Uh, I I do I'm sorry uh, believe what I do in order to benefit from some of the wisdom I've gained through my life and that's kind of where our uh, solitude time came and so we do that, you know, 10, 15 minutes where we separate and we're just in that solitude time where people can pray, they can meditate, sit in the moment, listen to nature. But I always try to share a few thoughts. I read a lot. So, you know, I always try to share from books I'm reading or podcasts that I've heard um, because there's so many things that benefit all of us, no matter what our faith background, um, no matter um Uh, where we are in our age you know where our age or um our health or married not married it doesn't matter there are some truths of life that affect us no matter what so I think once I realized that that it didn't really matter that we weren't the same so to speak um that yeah it wasn't stressful anymore so I think that just took a couple hikes to feel like, yeah, it's going to be okay, you know. So 
Um, and then getting the hike leads helped <laughs> because that losing people on the trail was a little stressful to think about losing people on the trail. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even have all trails app when we started. Like mm-hmm. I didn't use all trails. Um, I probably, well, you know, I didn't know, the, I didn't know hiking groups existed. So like, I certainly didn't know about the all trails app. Um, and, and I did lead a hike. Uh, this is kind of a funny story. We had to move a hike, um, I think we were scheduled to be at Cedar Ridge Preserve, and that was the one I was freaking out about because it looked like we were going to have over 100 people, and I didn't know the trail very well. I went four times by myself before the hike, though, because I wanted to know the trail well, but I thought, this kind of convoluted, you know, and it's a little tough with all those stairs, and I didn't know if everyone could do it, so that's why I was freaking out a little bit. But it rained, and if anyone knows Cedar Ridge Preserve, when it rains, they close, and so they didn't close it till midnight. Um, it was on the website midnight before the hike on Saturday. So I moved it to Horseshoe Trail and Grapevine. And, and I'd gone there and practiced that one in case I had to move it. But I um, didn't know it as well as Cedar Ridge. But um, what I did is I didn't know about Dorba, the bike groups. Like, they kind of maintain, they have bike trails. I didn't know about all that. I don't bike. And so I called the city of Grapevine, the Parks and Recreation Department, whatever it's called, and I said, hey, if it rains, you know, the day before, do you close the trails? They put me on hold. They asked a few people, and they came back, and they said, no, the trails are always open. So I moved it to Horseshoe and I thought, oh, we'll probably have 25, 30 people. Because anytime you cancel something last minute and move it, you lose people. 68 people showed up. That was the third hike for the 68 people. And we were literally directing traffic to get people to fit in the parking lot there. We did the hike. It was completely dry. Um, But it was closed. Okay, Dorba had closed it. But I didn't know that because I didn't know anything about Dorba. And I had I turned my phone off after we got there. So we did the hike. Everything went great. We did solitude. Everyone loved the solitude. I think that was our first solitude time. And so afterwards, we kind of hung out. We took a group picture. Um, everyone was so excited. I We probably hung out for 45 minutes afterwards. Then I was getting gas. And while my car was filling up, I turned my phone off. <laughs> I started looking at the Facebook, um, and we weren't a group yet. It was just on the other groups is where I advertised it. Well, there were people, like, saying she's hiking on a closed trail, kick her out of the group. Um, She's being disrespectful to the admins. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I don't even know what they're talking about because I'm like, no, the trail is open because there was no gate closed. There was no rope up, you know. And anyway, so I had to end up um, just messaging, like, admins that I didn't know and stuff and being like, I didn't know that the biking group, you know, I the president of Dorba, his name was Garrett at the time. I had, He was so nice, I had to call him. And yeah, so people ended up forgiving me <laughs> of my faux pas. But it was kind of like I felt like, oh my word, like I see where a middle school child opens social media and everyone's talking about them. Um, how like detrimental that would be for them. For me, it was like, oh my gosh, like it wasn't, 
like I wasn't crushed by it or anything like nothing like that but it was like annoying and especially people saying kick her out of the group and stuff like that <laughs> but so anyway there was one girl who was relentless she didn't accept my apology but here's the good part in my little story here uh three months later I get a direct message from this person she had a unique name so I knew who it was immediately and she said I just wanted to apologize to you I went back and reread our dialogue on messenger Facebook messenger and I was totally wrong and will you you know accept my apology like I started crying because she didn't have to do that and that was that's hard to do and I just thought it was really big of her to do that. And she later came and hiked with us one time. And, and she roller skates too. So anyway, we had a little connection. But yeah, so it came full circle. And it and it was a really good thing. But yeah, so when I started leading, there were faux pas. Definitely there were faux pas. That was my biggest one. So Yeah. No, like it just goes to show that like, to make anything happen you don't know what's like going to happen and you just got to take the leap and it'll, you'll figure it out yeah, along the way. Yeah. yeah take the leap and you got to figure stuff out if you don't take the leap nothing's ever gonna happen yeah. so yeah uh, and it's kind of funny now and now I try to share with new people about Dorba and stuff like that so they don't make the same <laughs> the same mistake and the Dorba people are great mm-hmm. you know they come on our hikes and and the the bikers they're great when we hike with them you know we gotta we gotta go opposite of those bikes because they can't stop very easy but they're always great when we're on the trail I've never had any problem with the bike club you know they're really they main the trails maintain the trails beautifully mm. so well I know with doing the hiking group you've now started like your own nonprofit or that's like in the works yeah. can you tell me a yeah. bit about that so yeah so the hiking and people showing up led to the start of the group the group expanding and growing um in dfw um we're getting close to to really being the largest women women's just women in dfw hiking group so that's exciting and so from there um we're now working on becoming a nonprofit. And with the goal of really helping women and children that are in abuse shelters, um, being able to come alongside and mentor. Because we have, obviously, with a group as big as ours, we have lots of women who have been through similar struggles. Um, So we won't be like, you know, saying, oh, come hike with 80 people. But we will be taking select women from our group. Um, to do hikes with the children and with the women in these shelters. And then hopefully we'll be able, as we raise our funds and things like that, to actually take some of these women on a trip, you know, give them the luxury of their hotel and their food, all that covered. Um, And ultimately, hopefully do that for kids as well. Um, My husband grew up in the inner city, um, literally in the projects of New Jersey, and uh, the first, he, he wasn't in nature, and he was in the Boy Scouts, and they took a train from New Jersey to New Mexico and went to this Boy Scout camp, and it was the first time he'd ever, like, been in nature and with people who knew anything about nature and hiking, and, and it was life-changing for him to have that. And sometimes we don't realize that there are kids right in our own communities that are in such stressful situations that 
you know, they go to school and they go home and, and they're, you know, living with mom in a protected shelter environment that is often like a group home. There's a lot of people in there. There's a lot of noise. There's people coming and going. And as they meet their steps, often they get help getting into their own housing and apartments. But mom has to do a lot to provide and the safest place for her kids is to be locked in their own house, you know? And um, so, you know, we want to be able to take them into environments that they don't get to experience because um, nature's healing for me when I don't feel good. And um, it will, it's healing for everybody to be able to get in nature on some level so that's where we're going and yeah so we're, we're going to have all kinds of things and people will be able to jump in at on the nonprofit at different levels so like we'll still have our group but let's say you pay a certain fee and um, that goes toward the nonprofit. Um, this is what you get but if you pay this fee we're going to have certain hiking trips that are only going to be offered to certain um, members of the the nonprofit, and um, you know they, those will be trips that are further away, and you know that that we do. So, yeah. So we're gonna be as soon as that uh, it should be coming soon. As soon as that tax ID comes through, then we're on the next phase of you know we're gonna be looking for anyone, but women's businesses. I would love to see women who own businesses to partner with us um, and different um, organizations to come along and just partner with us but with about you know all about women supporting women um, to carry on that theme mm. you know and so we're really excited about it well I'm excited for you yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see everything come together where can like people start helping or is it just going to be through the hiking group so we have um, we're working on our website right now so by the first of June we'll have a website up because not everyone has social media so we do have an Instagram but I don't even work it that much because I just don't want to get completely involved in another one it seems like most of the hiking groups operate off Facebook so obviously Facebook Sisterhood Hikes and Such is our group. Uh, Sisterhood Hikes and Such is also on Instagram, but we will have a website and that will be sisterhood hikes and such.com. Okay. And first of June, we'll, we'll have that up. And on the website, you would then be able to get all the information about our hikes. You'll get the information about the nonprofit. Um, and, you know, we'll have other things on there that we can't quite all get on social media. So there'll be a lot more resources to help people uh, grow in different areas of their life. I mentioned earlier that my husband is a family marriage individual counselor. He's a professional counselor. Um, he does seminars that help people in different areas of their life. And um, so we want to be able to put seminars on there that would be helpful. Um, like he just had one this last uh, Saturday on emotional regulation. Um, you know, so controlling your emotions. And um, he did one a few weeks ago on um, uh, assertiveness, which is huge. I mean, some people think assertiveness is aggression, but they're two separate things. And a lot of us need to learn uh, how to be assertive. And women really need that. If if you don't have assertiveness skills, it's going to hold you back in life. Um, 
and it will you know and it also affects your safety you know and so assertiveness is something everyone needs to really have a a grip on he even did one recently uh, I think it was about a month ago it was for teens on assertiveness Oh, wow. Yeah, for, uh, I think it was 13 to 22 or something, or 14 to 22, something like that, um, on assertiveness. So, yeah, so life skills. We're going to be mm-hmm. able to offer things like that on the website that we can't get all that on a Facebook mm-hmm. page. Yeah. That's super yeah. cool. I'm really excited for you. <laughs> um, I have to ask, what is your favorite hike, like all-time favorite hike? Um. It will probably change, but right now I would say Big Ben. Big Ben? Big Ben. Um, I think it's such a great state park, and um, and it has these, like, hills and mountains that you don't know exist in, um, in Texas, and so we hiked Emory Peak, and the first day, I think there were 13 of us, we did Emory Peak, which is a 10-mile hike, but we did all of South Rim. So in total, it's like 16 and a half miles. So it was a lot. Now, I never want to do that again. Um, now, I, I want to do Grand Canyon Rim to Rim, which I think is like 22 or 23 miles. But I don't want to uh, – South Rim was beautiful, but I didn't think the beauty of it was any more than Emory Peak. And I thought Emory Peak was so amazing that I want to go back and, you know, with – uh, I want to go with my adult sons and do Emory Peak again, the 10 miles, but I'll probably never do Emory Peak and South Rim again in one day. Um, yeah, I don't even know if I'll ever do South Rim again, period. I would do Emory <laughs> Peak, but uh, Lost Mines, another trail there that's amazing. And round trip, it's, I think, less than five miles, but it was gorgeous. So I would say as far as beauty and pushing yourself and everything, that those Emory Peaks in South Rim was my favorite hike. Um, but there's a little hike in San Diego that I do every summer. Um, it's called Cow's Mountain, and it's all uphill. And um, so for me, that's like it's a sentimental hike because it's like every year I get to the top of that um, and I think it's only like three, you know, three something miles, but it's all uphill. <laughs> San Diego's <laughs> different than here. Um, that is like my birthday hike. So it's like, um, that's like just a precious hike to me, Cow's mm-hmm. Mountain, every every year as, you know, for as long as I can do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check that one out. I know people have told me about Big Ben a lot, so I'm like, okay, that one's already on the list. We're going it's there. amazing. Yeah, so, but I'll definitely have to add, was it Cowtown? Is that what it, It's called Cal's, Cal's Cow? Mountain. Oh. It's it's one of the, it's not the highest peak. Um, most people think it is, but, and I used to. If It's the highest peak of San Diego. So on a clear day, um, clear meaning Sandy, uh, California has a, uh, fog and haze and people don't really know what that is sometimes if you don't live there but on a clear day um you of course see all of san diego um to the ocean and you can see mexico clearly and it's just it's gorgeous and it's just a really unique hike but yeah 
but there is often fog and haze in San Diego. <laughs> so you may not see it, but on a clear day, it is gorgeous. So. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, I've really enjoyed having you on this yeah, podcast. thanks for having me. Yeah. I have one last question for you. If you could tell anything to your younger self, what would it be? Um, wow. Um, think, um, make decisions, make your life decisions with your head but have a heart for those decisions because I think when I was younger I you make a lot of decisions with your heart you know um but not you know objectively thinking with your head so so make decisions with your head and not your heart um but have a heart for the decisions that you're making does that make sense yeah Yeah. no that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah I like that yeah and when you do and then the second thing uh, I would back it up with is um release yourself from the word trying like I'm trying to do this or I'm trying to do that and speak to yourself more about what you're training to do Mm. yeah I like all that yeah that's good so where can people find you I know you mentioned a little bit about the like your website and the Instagram but just so that people can connect with you where can they find you yeah, so obviously the best place um, is through Facebook on with Sisterhood Hikes and such. Uh, anyone can message me there. Um, my, and you can also message, you know, I'm on Facebook as Tamara Henderson Pickering, so some people find me there. I don't, I will be honest, I don't look at it that much. I look at our Sisterhood Hikes and such like all the time. Uh, because we have so much going on so that is the quickest way to reach me really is um, through the Instagram or the Facebook yeah eventually uh, June it will be uh, through the website I mean yeah the website yeah great well thank you so much for being on yeah thanks for having me it was fun yeah thank you Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Becca Babbles Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, the best thing that you can do is leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other listening platform of your choosing. If you want to learn more about me, you can do that by following me on Instagram at Becca and Wellness, or by checking out my blog, freebies, offers, and newsletter on my website at BeccaAndWellness.com. If you want to share the love of the podcast, you can do that by taking a screenshot and sharing it on social media and tagging me and the podcast at Becca and Wellness and using the hashtag Becca Babbles Podcast. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I can't wait to babble with you next time.